Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. big sisters. There's, there's actually four Simmonses siblings that are here in ministry, so we're pretty proud of that. My dad is sitting there with his wife, Patty. Um, he is the founder of Upper Room. Uh, part of the launch of this ministry was because our mother, um, his former wife, passed away of cancer. So there's some things that, that challenge your faith, and you, can, you, can decide, you have two decisions when things challenge your faith. There's two decisions when tragedy happens. You can draw closer to the Lord and actually build your faith and go after the very thing that the enemy was trying to steal, or you can give up. We chose not to give up. So that's what Pink Sunday's birth from is. Even though um, we lost our mother and uh, she got her upgrade earlier than we had uh, appreciated, uh, we, we feel that cancer's from hell and it needs to go back there where it belongs. That God gives life and life abundantly, that he's the giver of good things, and cancer's not from heaven, it's not from God. So that's one of the things. So, so Leah had this passion to really just go after this. So every, pretty much every Monday since my mom passed away, she's went to the cancer wing at Upper Valley Medical Center and given these carnations out, and we leave them there every week, among other things, uh, with a tag on them of Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans for a future, plans for a hope. And uh, so we just declare that. We declare life. We believe in healing. If, if, the, if the Bible says that healing's possible and the Bible says Jesus healed people, it's the same Jesus in us that walked the earth. We believe he still heals today. No matter what we see or don't see, that's our belief. It's a fundamental belief that we have that signs and wonders are possible, that he can heal, he desires to heal, and he will heal. So that's just kind of what today's about. So anyways, uh, shirt, there's still a few shirts for sale. You can donate, get involved, and uh, we're just thankful for today. It's a fun day. All right, kids, you're dismissed. Fifth grade and under. Uh, is, there, is there the junior high thing today? Okay. Fifth grade and under, you're dismissed. If you're a kindergartner under, you need to be checked in by an adult in our secure area. All right. We kicked off a series last week, and um, it's real talk. Here's the deal. There are real issues out there. There are real social issues. There are real cultural issues. There are questions. People have questions. We feel the greatest answers need to come from God. So the first thing is, the Word is the absolute truth. That's one of our, our beliefs here, that the Word of God, the Holy Bible, His inspired living Word is the absolute truth. We're taking the answers from the absolute truth. Now, we reserve the right any time to say, we don't know all the answers. We reserve the right not to judge you if you differ than us, and we're just asking for the same thing. We may differ in opinion. Now, here's the thing. If you could ask yourself, what are the five biggest core values in Christ. So what's, what's the five big ones that I can't negotiate? I feel we need, all need to have those. One of them should be that, that Jesus Christ was crucified, died a death for us, but was resurrected. That should be one. Now, don't feel right now you're going through your head. I know all you. You're like, okay, and then three, four, five. Okay. So take some time with that one. I believe this, everybody in this room would probably be able to, to, to gather around those five main core values of who Jesus is, the word, these, these things. Now, some of the things we're veering into over the next several weeks and then into January again are things that we may differ a little bit on. 
Now, it doesn't mean that the word is different. It doesn't mean, it just, it just means that we may not agree on opinion. Now, family and unity doesn't mean you surround and all agree all the time. It means you have unity. Unity supersedes agreement because we're not all the same. Now, we're not giving you permission to say, well, I'll believe what I... Now, that, that's, we're not going there to say anything goes. We're, we're not a universalist church. But what we are is, we're saying, I believe that there's questions. There's questions that young people have in here. There's questions singles have in here. There's questions married people have in here. There's questions that, of struggles that we... Temptations, things that we may... That we may, like, what's this in the news for? What are the political things going on? What, I believe there are questions, and we just want to get to the truth of what the Lord says about these questions and provide answers with truth and love. The agenda of this series is actually to pull people into an encounter with the Father's love, not condemn, judge, and push them away. With this, we are going to take a public stance on some things. We are going to speak the truth in love. We are going to be bold and courageous in some of this and take the risk to do that. We're not afraid to call sin, sin. We're not afraid to take a stance on something. But what we want to make sure is that God is love and we are doing it in love and we're revealing the truth. So I started last week with the church, religion, hot topic, controversial topic, differing opinion on topic. But here's where we landed, at least, at least from, from my perspective as upper room is the church is in a building. The church isn't a statue. The church isn't a business or an organization. The church is a family of believers that are Christ followers full of him called the ecclesia. And the ecclesia actually takes the church wherever we go because we, the people with Christ in us, are the church. We, the body, we, the group of people, get to take church outside. We get to get, we have this gift when Christ is in us, we get to take him outside the, the, the walls of the church and reveal to people of God's real nature. That's the church. That we actually get to reveal a different portrayal than what we're seeing on TV of somebody selling anointing oil or prayer cloths. We get to sell a different Jesus than just somebody wearing an Armani suit or preachers and sneakers, right? I don't know what Instagrams you guys follow, but there's some funny stuff going on out there. But here's the deal. We get this opportunity to actually reveal the true nature of God and the true bride and the beautiful bride that he's returning to without blemish. Now, there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of division in the church. But I believe this. We, the ecclesia, get to change that and transform culture by who we portray God as and the church and what it's supposed to be. It's an opportunity. It's a, it's a privilege. And it's not meaning we're always agreeing. It's not meaning that we don't have any problems or dysfunctions or, or issues. It just means we love one another to work it out. We love one another enough to actually feel free and safe to disagree, to have conversations, and to tell you when you actually offend me and hurt me. That's the ecclesia. It's centered around Christ, and it looks like a family, and it's a bride, and it's really beautiful. Today, we're continuing on with week two and, and to why do bad things happen to good people? And the supernatural. Whoa, that's a scary word. Supernatural. That's, uh, well, they're a supernatural. They believe in the supernatural. Yes, we do. We believe God is above all nature, and we believe God is without explanation doing amazing things that science can't prove or disprove. It's amazing. It's this cool thing. So we're going to start right here with why do bad things happen to good people? Good question. All right? Here's a terrible answer. Bad things happen to all people. That, that's, that's the thing. It's not just bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to all people. Bad things sometimes just happen. Now, here's what we have to do, though. There is literally our culture has blamed God for everything. We're all the way to the point of insurance having what they call a God clause. 
Meaning, if anything ruins your home, any wind, any storm, anything, it's the God clause. It's called an act of God. Meaning that God destroyed your home or, or Katrina destroyed New Orleans because they were full of sin and darkness. I don't have that theology that a really good father just wants to destroy people and kill people because they're not in alignment with him. I believe he's a loving father reaching out his arms just like he did on the cross, embracing us, ready to welcome us into the family of eternity if we say yes. My theology then is that God is good and all good things come from above. And if it doesn't exist in heaven, then he actually didn't create it. So I'm going to mess with you really hardcore right now. God is not in control of everything. We have free will and it was given to us as a gift. So therefore he's not in control of us. We get to decide if we choose him or not. We get to decide if we're going to walk a life of sin or not. We get to make these choices. So therefore God's not in control of everything. So bad things don't happen to just good people. Bad things happen to all people. I have a mentor. He says, Lave, he's going to be with us in a couple weeks. You're not going to want to miss this. So, but he says this. He says, there are no such thing as good days or bad days. There's only grace days. And some days you need more grace to deal with that day than others. So here's where I come in with, with my stance on, on bad stuff, good stuff. There's a couple ways we put it. John 10.10 10 puts it like this. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give what? Life and life more abundantly. So Jesus came to give this life. Now, the enemy might be trying to mess with us. The enemy might be sending toward, you know, whatever. I don't think he has the authority. There's some things there that I just don't know. Nicole and I, we get into this um, philosophical debate last night. Conversation. It wasn't really a debate. It was a conversation. Like, I had a really, really long day. It was a great weekend, though. How many have had a great weekend so far? I mean, I got to meet with a buddy from Chicago, a prophet from South Africa. I come home, the CrossFit Open 20.1 workout was released. I'm the only CrossFitter in here right now. The 9 a.m. is full of CrossFitters. So anyway, Josh knows what I'm talking about. So anyway, big weekend. My daughter yesterday killed her first deer. It was an 11-point buck with a bow. So... It's okay. God gave us dominion over animals. We eat it. It's all right. It's, it's all good. Some people might disagree with that, but that'll be in uh, February's topics. All right? So we hunt. We kill. We eat. So here's the deal. Just a fun weekend. We're going to Broomball Apple Farm today. We got basketball trout. We got tons of stuff going on. Pink Sunday. So last night, it was a hard day, long day, a lot of stuff going on. And I get down to the couch, the kids finally go to bed, and I'm like, okay, I think I can watch three minutes of football. <sighs> Aaron, how are you approaching the question tomorrow of why does bad things happen to good people? <laughs> We're going to do this. It's funny, she lost her voice in uh, transition, so the good thing about your wife doing transition when she loses her voice, I don't have to listen to her the rest of the day. <laughs> Just messing. I told her I was going to say it while we were up here. I was like, I got a good one. I can't wait to release it. I almost forgot it. So, so here's the deal. She's like, you need to boil down the question to this. It's not a matter. She liked my answer. Bad things just happen to all people. She's like, that's superficial and it's generic and the church is not going to have the questions answered. She says, you need to word it like this. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Why doesn't he intervene? Here was my answer to her. I'm not telling you if it was right or wrong. I'm saying my answer to her was this. 
God chooses some methods and some ways, one of them being free will. Much of what we blame God for or get hurt by or much of what we would categorize as bad things actually is a result of free will from sin that affects us. Molestation, rape, abuse, hurt, offense, gossip, discord, those things hurt us. And we're saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? Okay, so here's the deal. I believe this. If he would change that concept and intervene every time, he would be taking away part of the gift he gave us of free will. Although some people can't steward that because they don't have Christ in their heart, free will still affects us because they haven't said yes to Jesus, giving them love deficits that hurt us. If people never hurt us, we'd rely on them to fulfill our needs and not Jesus. Now, here's the other thing. It's kind of like creation. I believe that it's one of my fundamental things is that everything on the earth was created by God. Life was from creation, nothing else. It's, I don't believe in the Big Bang evolution, all that. Now, suddenly, how many in here believe that God could do anything he wants anytime he wants? Amen. I believe that. If all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm getting rid of reproduction. I'm getting rid of the system that I created. And now I'm just going to move into evolution and we're going to just procreate through evolution. If he did that, he'd be giving up the gift he already gave of creation and giving us the gift to reproduce and fill the earth and fulfill a purpose that he gifted us. It's the same thing with free will. We get the choice. So sometimes bad things just happen. I can't explain that. Here's the things I can't explain. There's two verses, one's in the Old Testament, one's in the New Testament, that kind of mean the same thing we were singing about. Genesis 50, 20 basically says what, what the enemy means for destruction, God will use for good. Romans 8, 28, Paul puts it like this. Those who love God and all things will work to the good to those who love God and are called according to what? His purpose. Here's, here's another fun one. James puts it like this. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy the trials you go through. Now here's where I can land on a definitive answer on bad things happening or why God doesn't intervene is that he just sometimes doesn't intervene the way we think, but he always intervenes and he's always good. My circumstance, my trials, my issues, death, disease, these things that we're confronting even today do not define the integrity and the goodness of God. When God doesn't show up when and how I want him to, it doesn't define his goodness. He's always good. And I can definitely land on that and clearly, clearly say that he is always good. I don't know why some of these things just happen, but I know that no matter what it is, God will still use it for good. Everybody in this room, some of our greatest growth opportunities have been through some of our greatest mistakes, trials, or circumstances. Some of our greatest growth. See, James goes on to say, count it all joy the trials you go through because there's always a purpose for a trial we go through even if we don't see it. Because it builds perseverance, it builds character, it builds strength. One of the benefits that we get here on earth is we get to praise through circumstances and bad stuff. When we get our upgrade and we get to join our Father for eternity, it's all good and there's no bad. There's no health issues. There's no struggles. There's no depression. There's no, no sorrow. There's no disease. So we only praise in perfection in heaven, whereas on earth we're gifted this thing to praise through circumstance, trial, and hardship. It's a beautiful thing when we get to know that there's grace days for God to give us the grace that's sufficient for all things. Let me go on to the supernatural. That sounded really good, but I don't know if that answered any of your questions. Maybe it did. So here's the deal, the supernatural. Here's, here's, here's one of the things that, that we got to benefit before I move on. 
we get this benefit in us as being a Christ follower, asking Jesus into our heart, living as a Christian, living as a believer and follower of Christ, is this. When Christ comes into our heart, no matter the circumstance, no matter the bad stuff happening, Christ in us is always the hope of glory. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, not seen. So when Christ is in us, no matter the bad things that are happening or not happening or the good things or whatever, then we actually have the hope in us called Christ, and he is the hope of glory in all situations, all circumstances. Without situations and circumstances, we'd have very little opportunity to build our faith, trust, and dependency on God. Now, I don't also have this theology that bad things have to happen in order for you to have a greater calling in God. Greater devils for greater levels. <laughs> I, don't, I don't land there. I don't land there. I serve a really good father. I have a, a, a creator that says he's closer than a brother, that he's my friend. And I don't believe that he doesn't have all authority. That now, now, I'm also here not saying that I don't believe the enemy tries to cancel your assignment and mess with you and steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I, I do know that. But at the same time, I can never give the enemy more dominion and authority in my life than I do Jesus. Meaning, I can't stumble and always focus on what the enemy is doing. I have to celebrate and focus on what God is doing, even when I don't see it. Yeah. Part of Gideon's breakthrough was at the campfire when the angels say, you're going to win this battle. Now he has to, even with doubt, even with lack of faith, he's saying, I'm not the right guy for this. But he goes up to a mountain to a higher level of thinking seeing these positions and seeing these circumstances as opportunities for breakthrough. And he begins to praise even when he thought he was going to lose. And what happens is God then uses this faith, this ignition of praise and worship and turns the enemy on themselves and creates a miracle that he wins the battle through praise and worship. Praise is calling us up to a place of things that we're seeing in the heavenly realm because he invites us to come up here and I'll show you great and mighty things. So we're praising from a heavenly realm even when we're not seeing it because faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen. This is fire today. That's dealing with bad things happening to all people, whether they're good or not. Now I have to move on because I'm cutting uh, Steve loose here in 10 minutes. So the supernatural, this is fun. All right, Mark 10 I'm sorry, Mark 16, 15 through 18 says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. How many believe that some of Jesus' last words should be some of our top priorities? Some of his first words should be some of our top priorities. If he's speaking, we should just listen and do it. So he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. When we have Jesus in us, there needs to be such transformation. From Salvation needs to lead to transformation. I want to serve a God that is so alive and so prevalent and so powerful that when I ask him into my heart, that you see and people around me see a tangible difference. That something that was dead now is life. Something that, 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 that wasn't where it's supposed to be is now becoming like him and where it might, should be. It's this fun place that we get to live in on earth that we're not where we're used to be. We're just not yet called to where we're supposed to be and we're in process. And God's not measuring perfection. He's measuring process. Let me move on here. It says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and what? They will recover. 
Now, the word, we have to go back to the word about these things and the supernatural and these, these signs, wonders, and miracles. And there's this belief of cessationism that, that miracles and healings and particularly supernatural things left the earth when the disciples or apostles left the earth, maybe even when Jesus left the earth. Now, historically, if we actually get in our word rather than believing a belief of people trying to prove God wrong and we search out to let him reveal himself and prove himself right... We're going to search out the scripture and say, Jesus performed, Isaiah predicted the miracles. Prophets, hundreds of years previously, predicted the miracles. Jesus walked out the miracles. Then the disciples and believers were empowered to do the miracles, did them. The Acts Church carries it on, and from then on, including to now. Listen, if Holy Spirit doesn't cease to exist, neither does his miracles. Holy Spirit is not this, this, this superhuman, this, this, this empowering uh, thing. Holy Spirit is a person, and he indwells in us. When we ask Jesus in our heart, it comes with Holy Spirit. He's all in one. Listen, Jesus the man walked the earth as an uneducated carpenter. He was an ordinary man by all standards, except he was fully God, empowered by the Holy Spirit as himself, the same spirit that dwells in us. Amen. So the scripture saying that the believers lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It doesn't say let the elders, let the ordained ministers of the fellowship lay hands on the sick. No, it's the believers. We get this right to be empowered by Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes the rational discredits the spiritual. See, supernatural is really an unexplained phenomenon that something intervened to change the outcome that can't be scientifically proven. It's above natural um, uh, reference. It's above natural explanation. Supernatural means it's above this. Now, here's a word, cancer, that also has a very generic, undefining definition, meaning an unexplained attack on the cellular level. They can't put a definition of cancer because it's so broad and so confusing and they don't know. Here's the great thing. God has an unexplainable answer for our unexplainable problems on the earth. God becomes the solution with an unexplained answer at times for the unexplained problems that are cancer attacking our bodies at the cellular, the mental, the relational, the emotional, the spiritual levels. This is the beauty about Christ. So now we get to this place that we are commissioned in Luke 9, empowered. Everything that's in heaven is given to the disciples and us as believers to be able to pour out his spirit and actually see God function on the earth through what he's doing in us, through us, and around us. So I want to serve such a God that Jesus is so alive in me that people around me get to feel it. I want God, I want Jesus, I want Holy Spirit to be so alive in me that I see tangible differences in the places, the spheres of influence, the restaurants I go to, the grocery stores I shop at, my children, my home, my marriage, everything around me because he's so alive in me. So what does Holy Spirit look like in dwelling a person to do the works of what his purpose is? It looks like Jesus. Jesus gave us this promise that it says that he did so many miracles in the Bible that not a series of books can contain all he did. That's a fun thought. So really, the word of God is an Instagram snapshot of, of some of the highlights and stories that we get of what Jesus did while he was on the earth. 
But yet it says that not a series of books can contain all that he did. Now here's the next promise in, in John, the book of John. He says that greater works will do than what Jesus did. Now that sounds like a fun invitation. Let me tell you a story about miracles not ceasing to exist. My daughter, Olivia, she's, she's not in here at the moment, but she's the one that shot this cool buck yesterday. And she's been my buddy this weekend. Uh, all of my daughters are my favorite daughters, okay? All of them, Chloe, I promise. So <laughs> Chloe and I were already working out our daddy date, right? So <laughs> she's like, yeah, I don't hunt. I'll watch a movie with you. <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway... Olivia is a walking miracle, and I'm here to say that not only did the prophets predicted it, Jesus walked in it, the disciples did, and were empowered with Holy Spirit to also see miracles and lay hands on sick and see all of these things and see blind eyes healed. Jesus is perfect theology, and he was the greatest example of signs, wonders, and miracles, and we're to be like Jesus. It's a promise. So Olivia, modern-day miracle, Olivia, at our 20-week ultrasound appointment, we go in there, we're happy, right? Second child, it's a promise, we're walking the fulfillment of God's promises of our life, we're so excited. We go in there, and all of a sudden, the ultrasound technician gets very quiet. I'm a paramedic, so sometimes, at times, I know enough to be dangerous. But I know when something's not right, and all of a sudden, she becomes silent, smile goes away, and she gets super serious. I was like, what's going on? She walks away, comes back in with a doctor sometime later. I was like, and then very quiet, very tense. You could feel the tension in the room. I said, listen, I can obviously tell something's up. Shoot straight with what's going on. Just give us a moment. We're just evaluating some things. They go away for 20 more minutes, come back in. We're like, what's happening? What What are you seeing, you know? So... They tell us, they're like, listen, we, have a, we're, we're, we believe your daughter, or, well, she didn't, they didn't know at the time. We believe your baby has a, has a condition called blank. I don't remember the word. It was too long. She says, don't Google it. What do you think the first thing is what I did when I got home? I Googled the crap out of that thing. So anyway, she said, listen, it looks like your daughter or your child does not have a heart. It doesn't appear that there's a nervous system and there's no skin that we can detect. Also, the head is out of its shape and too large. So she's like, don't Google it, but we think it's this syndrome or disease. I don't know what it was. And, um, and, and we're like, oh, okay, see ya. She's like, come back in two weeks. We'll see what the plan of action will be. Nicole and I, again, when trials come and bad things come, you have an opportunity for two choices. One, dig in with faith and actually declare the promises and the power of the Holy Ghost. Or you can flee and say, well, it is what it is. We literally had somebody after the fact Say, you know, if she was born that way, God, God definitely knows who he's giving that kind of baby to. And you'd be the greatest parent. We thank you for that. We appreciate the flattery. We're thankful we didn't tell you about that through that circumstance. Because we were believing for a miracle. So we printed off every verse in the Bible that had to do with healing, praise, and we made declarations for two weeks. And we began to just praise, and we began to thank God for healing. We go back in there, and they're in there, and we're happy. We're like, you guys, I said, you guys believe in miracles? The doctor, the tech, all everybody's in there. They're like, um, sure. Because you're about to see one. And they said, well, what would you have said if we said no? You're about to see a miracle. <laughs> so at any rate, we go through this process. And, and all of a sudden, they're looking around. And we see them getting happier. They're like, oh, my goodness. We can't explain this. We don't know what's happened. But you have a perfect, healthy baby with all organs and body systems present. And we can't explain that. It's a modern-day miracle with the supernatural not being able to be explained, but God intervening. Let, let, me, let me tell you about one more. 
So, so anyway, let me see if I've touched anything on my notes. As a matter of fact, I have. Let me tell you one more just to build your faith a little bit. I believe this. If the Bible says these things are possible and he's saying Jesus did them and we can do greater things than he did, I want to see blind eyes healed. I want to see deaf ears open. I want to see dead raisings. I want to see people fulfilled. I want to see marriages successful. I want to be kids on assignment for the kingdom of God. I want to see the things. I want to, like Jesus' perfect theology on earth, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that dwells in us, is taking time to meet with a woman caught in adultery and love on her. Taking time at a woman with a well who was an outcast, healing a stinky woman who had a blood issue for 12 years, seeing dead raisings, casting out demons. Like, I believe this is an invitation for all of us to walk in a greater glory, a greater calling of Christ alive in us. And it doesn't have to look weird. It could. It's okay if it does. It doesn't always have to. Now, here's the deal. I was at a, a pool, and if you've ever stayed at a Drury Inn, half the pool's inside, half the pool's outside. Robert's here. So, so God told me there was snow outside. Our family was there just for fun, and my siblings and all of us just getting together to hang out. And God said, go look in the pool. I walk out in the snow. All of a sudden, I look down, and there's a girl at the bottom of the pool. So I go. I grab that girl out. She's blue. She's pale. She has no pulse. She's not breathing, and she has obvious signs of death. Now, this is medicine that I do know, emergency medicine. All of a sudden, God gave Robert a notion, too, to go out and see what was going on. He comes out. We're doing mouth-to-mouth. We're doing CPR. Nothing's working. Absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden, a cleaning lady comes out. And she's like, what can I do to help? And now another person was like, go call 911, all this stuff. And at one point, I just look at them both. And I said, listen, this is not working. I don't know if you guys be- I-, I looked at her. I said, I don't know if you believe in miracles, but God needs a miracle right now. So we just began to lay hands, and that lady, do you remember, Robert? She grabbed her legs, and she just started declaring the life of Jesus in this body. And Robert and I are laying hands on her, and we're just, we're just doing this. And all of a sudden, she <laughs> comes to life just like that. Now, this should not be a surprise story in the church today. Jesus wants to bring dead things to life. And let me just tell you, it's a matter of stepping out and taking a risk and going after some things. Listen, she wasn't breathing. She didn't have a pulse. She was dead. I couldn't make her more dead than she was already dead. I couldn't hurt her. I could only help. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we're like, well, I don't know. Listen, you don't always need a word of knowledge downloaded from heaven with an audible voice from God saying, go pray for that person with a wheelchair or a cane. That's open, fair game in the kingdom of God. Like, there's your word of knowledge. There's your sign. They're struggling. They need love, and they need the Father's heart, love, and power revealed to them. But what happens if nothing happens? Nothing. My experience is this. I've seen now probably thousands of miracles. I have eight other dead-raising stories that are just like that, that didn't involve any medicine and was full back to life and full state of life. Now, listen, this shouldn't be a surprise. But it's simply just taking a risk. Now, I have a hundred dead people that didn't come to life. But here's my experience is when I pray for somebody, whether I see something happen or not, I've always known that there's something that happens in the heart. I've prayed for people and not seen anything. But guess what? That was so nice of you to stop. We feel so loved right now. You have so much compassion. Yeah, because when Jesus saw the multitudes in need, it says he was moved with compassion. 
He didn't just feel sorry for them. That's empathy. He was moved and compelled to do something compassion. All right, Steve, come on up here. <sighs> While he's coming, we're going to go after one type of healing right now called, in my opinion, a miracle healing. A miracle healing. That's a rapid instant. You know something happened. I want to let you know here today, if you've uh, come through cancer and treatments and medicine and doctors, there is no such thing as a second-class healing. If you're well, you're well, and we rejoice in God, and we want to let you know we believe in modern medicine. We believe that God is the greatest physician and can heal, but we also believe in medicine. Here's the other thing. If you're healed today, and you're taking med, and you feel something, you feel tangible difference, you feel pain go away or something, we want you to go to your doctor and confirm that, and please do not remove yourself from any medications until it's confirmed. We do not need fabricated miracles because God's too good for that. We also don't need you to mess things up because we believe in the wisdom and creativity that God wired in us and expertise with doctors and help. So there's a lot of things. And when we, we see healing ministries, a lot of people by faith remove medicines or do this or do that and start doing things they're not ready for. Sometimes we still have to train how to walk. Sometimes we still have to train how to operate and when we weren't used to that. So we want you to be safe. But if God's going to heal today and, he's a real, and he really is a healer, which he is, then it's going to be confirmed through doctors and modern medicine. With that said, there's a couple, two types of healings, and there's the process of healing, and then there's the miracle of healing. Process sometimes takes time. You'll see improvement. You might even have setbacks at times, but ultimately you're getting better because God is perfecting you into that healing, into where he's calling you to be. Now, there's rapid healings that is right now. We'll see something. We'll know something. We've seen in this room tumors dissolve the size of softballs just like that. Literally, it was there. Now it's gone. We've seen metal dissolve in here. We've seen a lot of crazy things. So, so Steve's going to take the rest of this. We know we're going late today, but how many are ready to see some miracles because God's that good? 